0: So, so, you guys are going to miss out. Come on up. Part of the McSpadden clan here. Come on down. So, lights. Lights are a big part of Christmas, aren't they? Right? We have lights on our trees on the stage. We had lights coming in. Do you guys have lights on Christmas trees at your house? Yeah? Do you have any lights in your neighborhood? Yeah? Yeah? you have any favorites? Anybody have a favorite house in their neighborhood where they really like? Which one? What does it have on it? All the way around it, right? Any special characters in the yard? Rudolph, yeah. Anybody else have a favorite house in their neighborhood they like? No? You know what I? Our, my least favorite house in our neighborhood is? Our house. Sad, very sad, very very sad. So lights are a big part of Christmas. Though, we have them on our trees and our houses, and here in the sanctuary, and people decorate their houses. All kinds of lights, and I've even seen people that decorate the insides of their cars with Christmas lights too. Some people like white lights, and other people like multicolored lights. Do you, raise your hand if you like white lights. Who likes white lights? I'm a white light fan. Who likes the multicolored lights? Multicolors. Who are not paying one bit of attention? Our words from the Bible today talk about lights, and it's in the Old Testament, and it's in the book of Isaiah. Can you guys say Isaiah? Isaiah? Isaiah. It's like a boy's name. And Isaiah was a prophet, and he talked about the light. And here's what he said about the light. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in a pitch-dark land, light has dawned. He said, a child is born to us, a son is given, and authority will be on his shoulders, and he will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There will be a vast authority and endless peace and David's throne and for his kingdom, establishing and sustaining it with justice and righteousness, now and forever. And This is my favorite line. It says, the zeal of the Lord of heavenly forces will do this. That means God's power will make that happen. And it says that, Isaiah says that the people have seen a great light. And by the way, that great light, you know who that is? That's Jesus. A great light is Jesus. Not just a light, but a great light. Jesus was going to be a wonderful counselor. He was going to be mighty God, eternal Father, and Prince of Peace. And his kingdom would last how long? Just a short time? No, how long? A long time. A long time. Forever, they said. Forever and ever. So friends, there's going to be lots of lights at Christmas. And we need to use those lights to remind us to look for the light.
1: Who, uh, who started their portion of their Christmas shopping today? There's at least one of them. my person is here, that's good, all right, a couple people. Good evening, my name is Greg Rush, I'm the uh, director of youth ministry here at Grace and the person responsible for radical hospitality, uh, and my hope is that you feel right at home at Grace, and I often say that we are kingdom focused here, meaning that we find joy in knowing that people are connected to a Bible-teaching church somewhere. And of course, if you don't call a church home, we would love to get the chance uh, to get you connected here at Grace. And so the thing that brings my my heart joy is when I get to see your students uh, living this out. We had an amazing turnout at our lock-in this past uh, Friday night, and through connections with some of the students that call Grace home, We were thrilled to see that they reached out to their friends, offering them a place to be Friday night. There were 20 students who have never been to Grace who came here because their friends invited them. And I think it's a beautiful example of what our students teach us when we're willing to listen. So yes, I seem to always talk about the youth, but tonight it's fitting for for my part of the message. And so I hope that you will agree. We listen to these words from Luke chapter 2, verse 1 through 7. In those days, a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration and was taken over while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to their towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the city of David called Bethlehem because he was descended from the house and family of David. He went to be registered with Mary to whom he was engaged and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in bands of cloth, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. So critics and scholars don't completely agree on the ages of Joseph and Mary, but the range falls somewhere between 13 and and early 20s. So, while that sounds crazy to us in our culture today, back then it was very, very normal. Now, for you parents who have middle schoolers and high schoolers, can you imagine your students experiencing these things that Mary and Joseph experienced? And to me, it's very difficult to imagine. So, instead of focusing on that part of the story, I want to share just a few minutes looking at this from a different angle. So, Mary and Joseph were a young, engaged couple. We know their relationship was faced with a major issue that almost caused it to end before it started, because Mary was pregnant. But Joseph listened to the angel, and he continued taking this step in his relationship with Mary. They packed up, they headed from, from, uh, to Bethlehem from Nazareth, which is about 100 miles. So similar to us walking from here to Orlando. So teenagers facing a major issue in their young relationship, now have to travel 100 miles to fulfill a a decree from the emperor. And it got me thinking, how, how often do we burden others, our kids included, with things that are important, but things that we fail to prepare them for? As I reflect back on my years with my own kids, I realize I have expectations of them that I haven't fully prepared them for. And maybe selfishly it's because I've got a schedule that I feel like I need to keep and and the time available to prepare my kids gets allocated somewhere else. Or perhaps the way I perceive they're going to carry something out will be different than the way that I want it done. That's pretty much 100% true. As a parent, I should be the person helping to remove the roadblocks that get in the way of what my kids are trying to accomplish, and I just hope that I remove more than I place. So why was there no room for Mary and Joseph when they got to Bethlehem? Is is Joseph a a poor planner? Did did he just leave late because the angel made him rethink his original plan of, of leaving Mary quietly? Maybe this 100-mile journey with his very young pregnant fiancé took longer than expected. Did his family help him plan things out, or were they only thinking about the things and roadblocks in their own journey? And the answer is yes. In, In some shape or form, yes. They faced all these things with little to no help from those who could have been there for them. It was a scandalous thing, in that culture or in any culture to continue with a marriage with someone having a child that was not your own. But these two teenagers, chosen by God to be part of the story we celebrate each year, had a better understanding of the bigger picture. They knew that their son was the savior of the world. They knew each circumstance was worth the suffering they would face along their journey. And all of this is because they were trying to make room for the light, the light of the world who we call Jesus. So I hope that I was showing the light of Jesus to the guy that cut me off in Sam's parking lot. Now, to my defense, he parked in the loading zone and then went inside and went shopping. That's not right, right? But I kept my mouth shut. And I came out and thought I should leave him a note, and I didn't. So is that showing the light by not doing something mean? Probably not. But how well are we doing this each Christmas? Or or, or better yet, how, how well are we doing this every day of the year? Christians should be making room for the light each and every day. We should be removing things that get in the way of people experiencing the light. And we definitely should not be adding it to their roadblocks. The light of Christ is in everyone ever created, but some people never get to experience that because churches aren't making room for them to discover the light for themselves. These teenagers who invited their friends to this lock-in this past Friday were making room for them in a place that some of them had never been. Mary and Joseph made room for the light of the world, despite all the things getting in their way. So as I wrap up. How do we go from this place, making room for the light, Jesus, in our relationships, in our families, in our communities, and maybe most importantly, in our churches? And I hope that we will do that by taking a cue from Jesus and loving Jesus, every person we come in contact with, knowing that they, too, were created by God with love, they were created to share love, and they were created to be loved by others.
2: Many years ago, Eric and I started to sponsor children one by one from India after we had traveled there and fell in love with the country and fell in love even more so with the people there. And so our current child's name is Kaya, and she sent us a Christmas card that we got last week. I know you can't see this, but she is the most precious thing in the whole world, and she sent a picture, and she wrote a card that had a scripture in it from Luke 2, and a blessing that she wrote for our family. And so because the scripture was in the scripture that I was going to use tonight, I wanted Kaya to be here with us just because. And so, would you hear the words that Kiah sent to us that are in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verses 8 through 18. In that region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified There was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace among those whom he favors. When the angels had left them and gone into the heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go now to Bethlehem to see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in a manger. When they saw this, they made known what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherd, shepherds had told them. I mean, can you even imagine that? I mean, just these lowly shepherds out in the fields doing very shepherdy things, minding their own business, in the dark of night, keeping their flock safe and sound. And then all of a sudden, an angel standing before them, saying, I bring you good news of great joy. And then, what in the world? But the whole skies open up with a whole host of angels who are singing songs in praises to God. And so they go. They go and they see this baby and they are changed. They are changed forever. And so too, when we encounter the light, when we encounter Jesus, we too are changed. When we look for the light, when we make room for the light, we can live in that light. This light that guides us in the darkest of night. This light that warms us and comforts us. This light that forms us and fills us. Fills us to the brim. Fills us to the brim with grace and hope and peace and joy and compassion and love and forgiveness. and. This light that illuminates for us the very image of God that is in each and every one of us. That light is the love of God that was born to be with us and born to show us how to be, to be fully awakened. To be fully awakened to our own purpose and our own sacredness. My friends, do you know how much you matter to God? Do you know how much you are loved by God? Do you know how much you are cherished and how your life, your life has meaning to God? When we live in the light, we become more and more aware of this, more and more aware of God's presence with us, God's presence with us in the highest of highs, the greatest thing that will ever happen to us, God is there, and in the lowest and darkest times, God is right there, too. And we are invited to live in this light, the love of Jesus Christ. Every human, every human that has ever walked this planet has a deep longing. We all have this deep longing and need within us, a need to matter, a need to have a purpose, and a need to be loved well. And I'll tell you what, I've chased a lot of things to fill those needs that were not Jesus. I've chased things that were enticing or fancy or alluring to fill that spot. But none of it, none holds a candle to the light of Jesus Christ. None. Because none of those other things that seek to hold our attention, none of them love us like God. None of of them pour out into us this radical, unconditional, generous love and grace. None of them have the capacity or the capability to do what living in this light, the light of Jesus Christ, can do in us. No other thing. In the last four weeks here in worship, we have been thinking about this phrase, are we there yet? Has anybody ever taken a journey and somebody, maybe somebody little in the back seat says, are we there yet? Maybe you've said it too. We've been on a journey together eagerly waiting for Christmas to get here. But now that waiting and anticipation is over because now we are here. That beginning part of the journey to get here is finished. And now the holy work of Christmas is here. We are all invited, like the shepherds, to the manger to experience the love of God where we are all invited to live in this light, that light that is Jesus Christ. Amen.